Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Welcome in our 1030 service. Um, I'm Will. I'm so happy to see everybody. I forgot to tell you guys um, back there in the media booth, could y'all record to the hard drive as well if you don't know how to do that? Clay probably knows. Let's go ahead and stand, and we're just going to start this morning with a little prayer. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to jump right into the music. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, God, just for time to come, and God, to sing your praises. Lord, I pray that you would be honored and blessed during this time, Lord, as we sing about the grace that you've given us through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. One, two. Sing this with me. Who breaks? Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless? In awe and wonder, the King of glory, the King above our kings. Come on. This is amazing grace. This is a failing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. I sing for all that you've done for me. Come on, who brings our chaos? Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes the orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. With truth and justice Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance The King of glory The King above all kings Come on! This is amazing grace This is a failing love That you would take my place you've done for me he's worthy this morning come on worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain worthy is the king who conquered the grave worthy is the lamb who was slain Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Come on. Oh, worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Oh, this is amazing grace. This is a failing love. 
and praise the Lord this morning. All right, y'all can have a seat. Amen. All right, guys, thank you so much uh, for being here at the 1030 service here at Lindsay Lane North. My name is Alan Ostrisky. I am the campus pastor here. This is Will Stutz. Uh, our worship pastor, man, we are super glad to have you uh, worship with us today. Uh, I'll let you know, our, we had a picnic scheduled for tonight that has turned into a water park event. Um, that we, I'm just kidding. Uh, we have actually uh, postponed our get-together tonight, our fellowship, two weeks. So October the 3rd, uh, we will do the same exact thing we had planned. Uh, and so you'll, you'll get... You know details, and we'll make sure to keep that in front of you. Um, but just know that that's been canceled for today for obvious reasons. Um, but man, we are so glad to have you worship with us today. Whether this is your first time or 101st time, we're glad to have you in your bulletin. There is a connect card inside inside the bulletin. This connect card is our lifeline to you. We want to know uh, what God's doing in your heart and what God's doing in your life. We want to have a record that you are here if you're visiting with us. Uh, we are so glad to have you. We also if this is your first time here, we have a gift for you. Outside in the Next Steps table, we've got a gift. We'd love to get into your hand thanking you for being a part of worship with us as well as give you some information about our church. We promise to be good stewards of the information that you give us. We're not going to show up at your house during dinner time or anything like that. We want to just be able to text you. We want to be able to reach out to you and uh, let you know how excited we were to have you. And then uh, just if there's anything that we can do to minister to your family further. So please, please take the time for that. If you're listening online, uh, we have a connect card as well for you on the initial post. Be sure to do that. And then later in the service, if there's a decision that you make, there's a way on here to record and there's a way online that you can record any decision that you made. And we would love as a staff to follow up with you uh, on any decision that needs to be made. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we continue in worship. Father, thank you for today. God, we thank you for your presence that's here. And God, we just pray that you would be enthroned on the praises of your people today. We pray that, uh, God, that the words that we sing, God, would bring glory to you. That the, the words that are preached through your word, God, would lead us on into maturity, uh, Lord, in you. And God, we'll just be quick to give you all the praise, honor, and glory for everything that is accomplished today. Father, we love you and we thank you for what you're doing in this place. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. I'm thankful that God keeps working in my life even when I make mistakes, even when I fail. He's still faithful and he still makes me more like himself. Listen to this. In my mother's womb, form me with your hands, known and loved by you. For I took a breath when I doubted, Lord, in my me, I'm wonderfully made. You're an artist and a potter, I'm the canvas and the clay. And you make all work together for my future and for my good. You make all things work together for your glory and for your name. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
This morning, we're going to praise the name of the Lord. If he did nothing else for us, he's done enough by sending Jesus to die on a cross for our sins so that we can have freedom, so that we can have peace, but most of all, so we can have a relationship with the Lord. No man goes to the Father but through the Son. And so this morning, let's praise the name of Jesus for what he's done and what he's doing in our lives. Let's sing this. Oh, 
that comes only through a relationship with Jesus. But most of all, Lord, we just thank you that we can come to you today in boldness, God, in faith, that you will hear us because of the blood that is, that is on us as believers through the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you. Lord, as we've been able to sing to you and, and God, lift up praises to you, I pray that, God, you, you would hear us. God, you would speak to us through your word as we continue in worship and we open your word. Speak through our pastor. Lord, speak through your word. We love you. God, I pray that you'll be glorified and lifted up today in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Y'all can have a seat.
Neighborhood Bridges. Man, we are uh, really excited uh, to partner with them. Neighborhood Bridges is an organization. We work and partner with the school in order to provide basic human needs uh, as, as students and needs become aware uh, in the schools. Uh, they communicate that. Uh, to not just our church. We've got a variety of different churches and organizations that are a part of that. Some of you are a part of that. If you want to know more information about Neighborhood Bridges, uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, and the it's Neighborhood Bridges of Elkmont, I believe. Or you can go online to that website and you can uh, find our community. And every... Ever so often, we'll get an email of this is a, a tangible need that needs to be met in a student's life, and it may be something as basic as food or uh, clothing, uh, and then it may be dues and things like that so they can, they can pursue life and have a good time doing whatever it is that they, they need. And so uh, we're really excited about that. One of the administrators of the school that actually is over Neighborhood Bridges uh, is a part of this church, and so, man, we were excited to make that our Jerusalem ministry. Over the next three, day, three weeks, um, this and then two others, you will see more of the missions partners that that we have as a church, and this is why. October the 3rd, we've already told you the picnic has been moved to October 3rd, but October 3rd is also our Give to Go Missions Offering Sunday. And so something that uh, we've seen modeled for us, but we have the opportunity uh, to, to be involved in mission, right? And, and God, is, as this church came about as a result of a mission strategy, uh, we get the opportunity now as a church to give to other organizations, other ministries that are happening. And so uh, we are responsible for that in ourselves. Uh, so Lindsay Lane North has three missions partners. We are working on a fourth one. Uh, and every bit of the money that we raise will go toward those ministries and the work that we do with those ministries over in 2022. So we want you to give to that. We would, we would love. And, and so Neighborhood Bridges will receive some of that, as well as the Church of the Oaks and uh, Favor City in Las Vegas. And so right now we are currently in, working on a trip in July to Las Vegas. Um, we've, I've talked with the pastor, the five-day trip uh, uh, to Las Vegas uh, to help with that church plant. And so one of the coolest things about being a church plant is you get the opportunity now to help and assist other church plants that literally this Sunday, I believe, is their launch Sunday, and so um, be praying for them as they as they undergo that. But man, we're just really, really excited about what God's doing. If we're excited about what God is doing, then we should be invested in what God is doing. So pray about what God would have you to give on the third. We will also have pledges that are available that Sunday. Not sure what that's going to look like just yet, but a way that if you want to give over the course of a year. Um, we will have uh, a way that you can pledge as well to give over 2022 uh, if you would rather do that. So um, anyway, but that's what we've got coming down the line. We're excited about it. We want to keep it in front of you so that you can make preparations for that as myself and our family are as well. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. And y'all going to have to bear with me. Man, my voice is leaving me. It is not because of the Bama game, although there was some yelling. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, the, the, the first service apparently just wasn't taking in the message, so I had to beat it into them, and, and it apparently it hurt my voice. I'm just kidding. 
But turn in your Bibles to Matthew 6. We are continuing this rhythm series. It's the third of four weeks rhythm series where we're tracing, uh, tracking through the spiritual disciplines. The first week we talked about kind of an introduction, kind of the what allows spiritual disciplines to be a thing, right? It's going to take effort. It's going to take resources. It's going to take energy. But the reason why we do it is because God has changed us. He's transformed our heart. He's transformed our life. And so as a result of the change that God has brought about inside of us, we begin to there are things, there are markers that you can see in the life of a believer uh, that help uh, to grow them and to mature them more into the image of Christ. And so if you're saved in this room, you have experienced God's justifying grace. He has justified you. Regardless of your sin, he has made you clean. But God has also called you to be sanctified and to experience sanctifying grace, which is the pattern that we use to grow more in him. And the disciplines are so very important to accomplish those things. We talked about in groups two weeks ago. This this is coinciding with our group study as well. And so if you're not a part of groups, you're missing out because in the groups we discussed what the commitment to discipline is going to take, what it's going to be required for us. Paul even saying that I discipline my body, I beat my body so that I can be optimally effective, meaning like I am willing to do whatever it takes to be more effective in the kingdom of God. Last Sunday, we got more specific. We talked about scripture intake and how important getting into God's word is. Is It's a discipline that we have to develop so that we can learn to study God's word for ourselves as as the psalmist would put it, it is literally the distinguishing mark between the righteous and the wicked. To live righteous is to be in God's word, to delight in God's word. To be wicked is to be outside of that source. And so uh, then in our groups, we talked about how we implement that, right? How do we study? How do we journal maybe uh, in God's word? How do we meditate on God's? How do you muse on God's word throughout the day? And how do you memorize? In our home group, I challenged our group to memorize the passage of scripture that we studied in our home group. And we'll be holding each other accountable to memorize that passage of scripture through the course of this week. And so these are important things that we look at. Today, I want to talk about what I believe to be one of the biggest, most obvious disciplines, but it's also one of the most often disregarded. Uh, And I believe that to be the discipline of prayer. I, I remember my wife one time told me that her van was acting weird. That was her, her exact words. My van is acting weird. When I drive, something is weird. Uh, and I was like, okay, um, that's happened before. That happens from time to time. Sometimes I know what's going on. Sometimes I don't. Uh, this time I definitely knew what was going on. Uh, I got in her car and she said, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's not driving in a straight line. And I went, isn't that up to you? Like to drive, and then she's like, No, 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 you don't understand. Like, take your hands off the, you know, like, and so we started going, and sure enough, man, as soon as I took the hands off the wheel, man, that car lurched to the right. There was a major, I checked all the tires, made sure tire pressure's fine, that's not the problem. Come to find out, our car was out of alignment, which can happen on these backcountry roads. Like, gosh, right here at Upper Fort Hampton, right in front of the post office, good Lord, that'll jar your teeth out. But you hit enough of those little holes, and, and I'm not saying that my wife did hit anything. I'm just saying it's not outside the realm of possibility that she did. Uh, but 
Anyway, her car was obviously out of alignment. So what does that mean? That means that if I am not making a conscious effort to keep this bad boy between the lines, if I ain't paying attention, we are going into the ditch. That's what that means, right? There is no amount of time between here and here that we are not careening into the ditch, right? And so I started thinking about that as I thought about how prayer works in our life. The, the, the hymnists would say that we are prone to wonder. Our hearts are prone to wonder and prone to walk away from God. And, and I don't know if, if you're in this room and you, you, could, you could agree with me that there is a, a proneness in our hearts and our mind. If we're not careful, man, we will sin in a second, right? If we are not paying attention to what's going on. But what, we've see, what we see about prayer as God's word defines it is prayer is what I've called before the sinking mechanism of our heart to God's. It's the way that we stay in tune. It's the way that we stay aligned with God. And what we understand is we need, every one of us, if we are to live lives of effect for the kingdom of God, we must be people of prayer. We must constantly and routinely realign ourselves. Just like a, a car would need to be realigned, we need when the troubles of life come and knock us sideways, we need to be realigned with him. And we do that through prayer. And so in Matthew chapter 6, his disciples come to him and the disciples ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And we know that this is a part of the greater context of this is in the Sermon on the Mount. And he tells them how to pray. And so Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the first thing he talks about is perspective. But let's read the whole passage of Scripture and, and then we'll come back and, and break this down chunk by chunk. But listen to Matthew 6, 9 through 15 says. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Some of your translations may say, for yours, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. This is, there's a discrepancy in the earlier text, and without nerding out on you completely, long and the short of it is we're not sure this is a part of Scripture, and so some translations translate that out, some translations use it and include it, and some don't. But it, whether it's included or not, it's echoing the same thought of the first part, right? He, he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be the name. He's echoing some of these same ideas in book text, book ending the, the, the passage and book, te- and book ending the prayer. So, <clears throat> so this is the text. Um, and, and so this is how God teaches us to pray. And so with that, let's just go to him in prayer. Father, God, make clear your word to us today. God, we desire to be effective for your kingdom. Lord, effectiveness is the goal. Not so that we in ourselves are effective, so that you and your kingdom would be effective and effective to reach the lost, effective to grow, and effective to bring you glory in everything. God, guide our hearts and our minds, Lord, as we get into this discipline, this understanding of what we have this incredible resource that we have in prayer. May you receive glory. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as I said before, the first thing Jesus tells us in this prayer is that we are to pray with perspective. 
He says first, he says, pray like this. Now, I want to address something right here because some, some take that to mean we need to pray this exact prayer. And while I don't believe that is wrong necessarily, I do believe it can be very empty. It can be a very empty exercise over the course of time. I think about every game I've ever had, every game I ever played in football. And the 10 minutes before we go out on the field, everybody's keyed up, everybody's ready to go, right? The coach that has just let out a slur of profanity finally says, now boys, let's grab a knee and we're going to pray. Our Father, and then everybody chimes in, which are in heaven, hallowed be. It is just a hum over the whole locker room, you know, as we recite the Lord's Prayer, right? To which then the captain of our team... Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And then the guy, the captain on our team, let's expletive go. I think we've missed something. <laughs> we just got done praying. We're praying this prayer, and obviously our hearts and our minds weren't in it because there's no way that we can go from this frame of mind to this frame of mind so quickly. And so I don't believe that the emphasis on praying these exact words, I believe more importantly, Jesus is saying, when you approach the Father in prayer, this is the posture. This is the like posture you are to use. This is the like understanding and the like perspective that you should have when we come to the Lord in prayer. I have prayed about a lot of things, church. I have also prayed about a lot of things that were completely and totally outside of God's will for my life. And if I don't understand God's perspective, I, am, I could be quick to blame God not, for not being good in my life because he didn't give me what I desired and what I wanted. But to pray with perspective means to understand who God is and his sovereignty over our situation. He begins with this, our Father who's in heaven. Now, right there he drops an incredible theological bomb that if you're not paying attention to, you just hum over it in a locker room. Our Father, there's, very, there's no relationship in the world like a father and their children, right? Our Father, who art in heaven. Now, when I think about heaven, right, we always have the mentality, you've heard people say, I'm just praying, you know, talking to the man upstairs. And that's, that's fine, okay? That, that's, that's okay to understand God as the man upstairs, as long as we understand that God doesn't stay upstairs, as long as we, don't, we, don't, we understand that God is a God who is involved in our life. And a God in heaven. And what is heaven? Heaven is a place of inapproachable perfection, right? There's no way. My dad used to always tell me, now, you know, Alan, if you, if you, I just think if you just thought of how beautiful heaven was and you really understood it and God let you understand it, that you would die right then. Like, I remember him telling me stuff like that, you know, as a kid growing up. And so I was like, well, gosh, I better not think about how awesome heaven is because I don't want to die, you know. But I remember him telling me those things. And so heaven is this approachable place, right, that we can't imagine in our fallen state. Heaven is in a, of God enthroned in his inapproachable glory. But our God just isn't a God in heaven. He's not just holy. Our God is good. He's our father. He's our father and more than just loved us, he initiated love toward us. He created us. We're the reason we, he's the reason we exist. And then he initiated love when we were wayward, when we were sinning, when we were lost. He initiated his love for us. And while we were still sinning, Christ died for us. Right? So he's not just our God separate. He is our, our God in heaven. He is our Father 
who is interacting with us. Y'all, if we could wrap our head around the fact that the infinite God of heaven loves us to the extent that he would desire to set up residence within us, we would not stop praying. We would recognize it for the unbelievable, unthinkable privilege that it is. And we would respond in prayer. We would respond in obedience. Are you kidding me? That you would even stoop to hear me tells me that I need to say something. I need to say something to you that you would even come near me. In prayer, the psalmist would say, what is man that you're mindful of him? The psalmist didn't understand that in the New Testament, God wouldn't just be mindful of him, that God would invade their lives. That God would be in me. What is man that God has any part with being inside of me, sinful, sinful me? Wretched man that I am, but God desires, this God in heaven has desired a relationship as our Father. And when we understand that, man, in most cases, Daddy knows best. If you are here today and you do not recognize this equipment, what I would tell you is you are among the most blessed people on the planet. I have assembled this because, you know, it's incredibly awkward and weird and takes a long time to put together. And so uh, it apparently takes a longer time to take apart. I have unsuccessfully done that. So uh, apparently this is together forever. This is what, church? This is a jack, right? And this is a jack that is hidden in every one of our vehicles. Some of you may be unaware that this is hidden in your vehicle because you've never had to use it. Let me just tell you, this is the most cumbersome device in the world. Of all the things and all the bells and whistles that your car has, I can promise you it does not have a good one of these. This is the most frustrating thing that if you find yourself in need on the side of a road, in need of this jack, you will be disappointed. It might do the job, but it will require so much of your character and integrity, and you might just leave it on the side of the road, right? All of us, if you've ever had a breakdown on the side of the road at a flat tire, you know the frustration that comes with this device. And putting these things together and using the tire iron to fasten to this to create some type of Newton's law of physics to turn the thing, it's frustrating. And I remember one time when I think of these kind of devices, I think of my dad. I was in college one time and I was going down to Mobile. I'd come back for Thanksgiving holiday. And y'all know there's this awkward time in college life where you, you have Thanksgiving and then you go down for like a week. It's like a week of finals. And then you come back for Christmas break. It's, I don't know why they do it. I feel like they should just get their act together and, you know, do it another way. But that's what they do. And so I was at Thanksgiving and my dad noticed that my tires needed some attention. They were pretty bare. And I said, well, Dad, I... I don't really have time. Well, Dad even went to the step. He went and bought the tires for me. Tires were purchased. All I had to do was go to the store. But I'm a college student, right? I know all things. And I decide, in my perspective, I don't have time for it. I got to get down to this study group. Dad, I will come back in a week. In a week, I will drive back up to North Alabama. It'll be Christmas break. I'll have plenty of time, and we can get the tires fixed then. So off I go. 
Dad didn't stop me. He should have. I think he enjoys saying, I told you so, a little too much. And I get about an hour from Mobile. And all of a sudden, a helicopter begins to land on my vehicle. At least this is what I'm thinking. Now, let me tell you something, students. If you've never experienced this, if you, it sounds like a helicopter is landing on your vehicle. There is a remote possibility that is, in fact, the truth. There's a much more likely solution, though, to that problem. Much more likely conclusion that you can come to is I am having a blowout. And so instead of looking up to the sky, which is what I was doing, <laughs> I noticed rubber fly into the sky, and I thought, this is not good. And so I limp into one of the little access roads there, and I change my tire using this extremely frustrating device. I change my tire, put on my spare, which of course is what? Underinflated, right? And I limp into Castleberry Lennox exit, exit 83 on 65. I meet some charming gentleman at the gas station there as I'm pumping up my spare tire who informed me, hey, there's, I live just a few miles away and I can get you a new tire. So I follow him. And all you people are freaking out. Like, look, I'm a big guy, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying you should do this if you're a lady, but if it's, you're going to get me, you're, gonna, you're a good one. You're, you're, you're tough. Um, and so I go, I'm like, man, I got to get a new tire. Right? I got to do something. So I pull into Chicken Man's Junkyard. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Chicken Man's Junkyard, and there's a reason his name is Chicken Man, because he has about 500 chickens that live on his premises. He also has about 20 turkeys and one peacock that would not leave me alone. Um, and, and so I pull into Chicken Man's Junkyard. He gets in his school bus that is filled with tires. He finds one that's my size. He puts it on for me, which was nice, and I drive to Mobile. End of problem, right? Wrong. Wrong, because about Thursday, I realized I'm leaving on Friday and going home. I realize that when you leave a tire for long enough and you fill it up and you start using it as a real tire, sometimes they will dry rot. And I start seeing these lines developing on the side of the tires. To which my dad says, Alan, you need to go to a tire store and you get a new tire. Just get one new tire, you get a new one, and you'll be fine. Nah. I got a brand new set at home. I'm not spending my hard-earned college dollars on that. So I do the brilliant thing of pumping that tire up as far as it could possibly go and driving as far as it could possibly go, which, by the way, will get you to exit 93, 10 miles from where I broke down the first place. And I remember pulling into Evergreen and going to a tire. I had to, had to change it on the side of the road, which at any moment I'm thinking a semi will send me into eternity immediately. Like you are three feet from the largest vehicles in the world and I won't even fill it. Like I'll just, I'll be tightening a, a lug nut and boom, I'm in eternity, right? I wouldn't even fill it. Uh, and so these thoughts are going through my mind. It's like the ground underneath these semis are shaking as they drive past me. And I'll never forget going into Evergreen. They didn't have my size tire. Conrad, they didn't have my size tire. So what I decided to do was, well, I'll just put one size smaller on my car because, oh, I've got to get, I just got to get to North Alabama. They assured me it'd be fine. It was not fine. I drive another hour and a half, and another helicopter starts to land on my vehicle, to which I change that blowout and finally call my dad and say, Dad, meet me in Gardendale. And he puts those four brand new tires on my vehicle in Gardendale. Why do I tell you all that? If I'd have listened to my father's perspective, 
I'd have never found myself in the situation that I was in. If we would understand that God is not a God that is looking to rain on your parade, and he is not a God that just wants to limit you in everything that you could have, if we will recognize that God is a God that desires to live for you to live an abundant life, he can spare you the hassle if you just follow him. If you just don that perspective with him as Our Father. He loves us and He desires for us to live abundant life. And so, if we're to spend time in prayer, we have to do it through that perspective. We have to understand He's our God in heaven, right? He's He's our Father in heaven, right? That we are we exist to make hallowed His name, to make His name holy. We exist to bring glory to Him in everything that we do because His will is going to be done. His will's going to be done. We either get on board with it or we hassle and then get on board with it. Right? His will will be done in heaven and on earth. His kingdom will come with the same devotion. What what Jesus is praying is with the same devotion that heaven exists for the holiness and the glorification of God. So he desires to see that happen on earth. In my life, in these people's life, in these disciples' life, on this mountainside, be glorified. Your kingdom come, your will be done. We have to pray with the perspective of heaven. And so prayer on earth requires the lens of heaven. Prayer on earth requires the lens of heaven. If you don't have this perspective, then my friend, you can say that you're praying, but you're not praying. You are talking to air. Prayer means that we align ourselves with the perspective of heaven. And God, if you choose not to do whatever it is, I'm not asking you, your kingdom come, your will be done. Because you're my father. You're our father in heaven. And your, perspe- your perspective is supreme. The second thing is we, we pray with perspective, but we pray for provision. Listen to how he teaches his disciples. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Give us this day our daily bread. Whether you recognize it or not, church, you and I are completely dependent on God for all things. Our dependence on God is not determined by the way you happen to feel. There are times that we go through times of loss and tragedy and need where we see our dependence on God. But whether, whether, we, whether we see it or not, we are just as dependent on God today as we have ever been. The uh, writer of Colossians, Paul would say that he holds everything together by the word of his power. So literally, he holds everything we have. The fact that our cells are binding to other cells, creating our human bodies, is proof positive to the fact that we are completely dependent on God. And so Jesus prays, recognizing his dependence on him. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus was saying, Father, I recognize that my provision comes from you. It does not come from myself. You see, if you have the perspective that you can provide for yourself, then you have 
reason to depend on yourself. But when we recognize that we are powerless to depend on us, then we must look elsewhere for our dependence. And so he says, give us this day our daily bread. So sustain us physically. If I'm going to live and exist in this day, in this time, I am going to do it only through your provision. But then he says, don't just meet physical need in our life, meet spiritual need as well. What does he say? Forgive us of our debts. I would argue, church, that while we need physical dependence on God, while we are physically dependent on him, and we are totally physically dependent on him, as we've talked about, as we've detailed, I would argue that we need spiritual dependence more. Because more than just the destruction of my physical body, I stand guilty before a holy God in my sin. If God does not provide forgiveness for my spiritual dependency, then I am sunk. Paul would say, if Christ is not raised, then we are people to be pitied. We are to be, people should, should feel sorry for us if Jesus had not been raised. But because Jesus has been raised, forgiveness for sin is possible. And so God doesn't look at your stuff that you've done wrong. He doesn't look at my junk. He looks at Jesus. He looks at the forgiveness. We have been forgiven. But that forgiveness, while happens in a moment of salvation, it continues throughout our life. And so we are to continue to seek God's forgiveness. Why? Because we recognize we're totally dependent on him for that. Your greatest need is forgiveness. It's your greatest need. And it's met through the person of Jesus Christ. So give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts. But in your notes, those who've received grace, give grace. The last part of verse 12 is substantiated by what we find in the beginning of verse 12. There is no forgiveness outside of people that have been forgiven. It is the forgiveness of God that motivates and substantiates our forgiveness of others. I would venture as far as to say, because the concept comes from God, I would venture as far as to say, outside of a relationship with God, you can't forgive anybody. You can't forgive a soul. Nor can anybody forgive you for the junk that you've done. Because forgiveness is alien to us. Because we're selfish. Because we're in sin. And God has provided forgiveness. And in light of this provision, here's the point, right? In light of this provision... We live our lives to see this provision come to others. If God has truly set you free, then freedom is your theme to a lost and dying world. And so have we experienced that? Have we seen not just physical provision in our life, or we're asking for physical um, provision in our life, but for spiritual provision 
and recognizing all along that God is the only one who can provide these things. And so having been forgiven, we forgive in return. There is nothing that anyone could do to you, nothing that is greater than what we did to Jesus, than what we've done to God being created in his image and tarnishing his image and, and dragging his name through the mud. There's nothing that could be done worse to you that we did to God. And he forgave us. And so what do we do? We join God in this theme of redemption. This theme of redemption in our life can be the theme of redemption in your life. And I want you to know I'm just as broken as you are in this room. But I have a relationship with Christ. He has provided for my brokenness spiritually. And the most important thing I could tell you is there is nothing that you have done that has forfeited that chance for you as well. He can forgive and he can forgive today. If we would respond in obedience. And this is posture, right? The perspective of heaven, but also prayer, right? Prayer for provision. Provide for me, right? These, this is the attitude we should adopt in prayer. What we see here is it's certainly not about ourselves. If we really understood what prayer was, it wouldn't look like a giant list of all the things we need God to come through for us. It wouldn't look like that. Because there's more involved in that. And so thirdly and finally, we pray against pollution. Pray against pollution. Look at verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, when you read that passage of Scripture in the English, depending on how yours is translated, it sounds like God is taking us to the evil, right? Does it and does it not? Lead us not into temptation like... Don't take us by the hand and take us to this horrible place that we shouldn't go. God is not, James tells us, this is when you need to understand Scripture in light of other Scripture, in light of context. James tells us God doesn't tempt anyone, nor is he tempted. Because God isn't tempted, he doesn't tempt anybody. Right? And so, literally, this translation, when you study the Greek, is a permissive imperative. And what it means is, this would be a better way to understand this passage. Do not allow us to be led into temptation. You know what he's literally saying? Jesus is saying, and Father, protect me and us from our own stupid. That's what he's saying. He's saying, protect me for our own, my own ability to waver and to stray. Don't allow me to lead myself into temptation. James as well, each man is is drawn away and enticed by his own lust, right? So don't allow me to be led astray into temptation, but deliver me. Was he saying, take an active role. Take an active role in keeping me from sin. I've told you, I've told you before as a student pastor, the question that I got all the time that made me want to smack sense into teenagers was the question of how far is too far? And it seems like every time I did some purity talk of any kind, I would get a question, maybe not exactly phrased that way, but driving at that point. How far is too far? Well, that's a really dumb 
question. Can I just say, that is a dumb question. Let me give you the physical equivalent of the spiritual question that you've just asked. The physical equivalent would be, how close can I get with this dude that's got a flamethrower? How close can I get to him to just warm my hands and not be completely engulfed in flames? That's what we're asking. Would we all not agree together today that if a dude donning flamethrower walks in those doors, we are going out these doors quickly. We are running opposite directions quickly. I will lead all of us out the door, right? Follow your leader away from dude with flamethrower. But yet we think it's okay to ask the question, how close can I toe the line of sin before it's actually sin. The question is not how far, God, how far is too far? The question is, God, is this far enough? I feel like I'm really far away from sin, but you let me know if I need to run further. I need to be the opposite direction from whatever line that there is to cross. I need to keep myself as far away from it as possible. Why? Because I am prone to lead myself into temptation. I'm prone to be tempted and drawn away and enticed. And let me tell you, you toe the line of sin long enough, you're already in sin. So it don't take much. You're already there to have that mentality. It's not prayer. It's not the perspective of the Father. It's us and our sin. And we can say, dear Jesus, before it, and we can say in Jesus' name, amen, but it doesn't make it a prayer. Because God has provided, Jesus has provided a model for us. We are to pray against pollution or any opportunity, hating even the garment, right? Stained by the flesh, stained by sin. This is what God has called us to do, to recognize that we are dependent on him and we are utterly without hope without him. In your notes, there is no greater weapon against pride than prayer. In our pride, we would say how far is too far. Why? Because we want to experience what the world has just enough to not have eternal consequences. It's pride. But there is nothing in the world that teaches us humility like understanding prayer in our life. We have a God who loves us, a God in heaven who is infinitely glorious, but still desires a relationship with me and with you. And if that's not enough, if that's not enough, we are solely dependent on him to meet every one of our needs, whether we recognize it or not. And if that's not enough, he has made a way out of our sin that we were born in and that we were dead in through the person of Jesus Christ. He's delivered us. He has provided deliverance for us. And so today in here, to understand prayers, to understand Jesus, to 
But understand what he's done for us. He has made a way. And so if you're here today and you don't have that relationship, the most important thing I could tell you is to be reconciled to Jesus today. Understand that he's a God that offers himself as a father to you. Respond with that perspective. Understanding his provision and pray that God would keep you from pollution. And so prayer just reminds us of how much we need him. And so if you would bow your head and close your eyes as we enter a time of invitation. If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And please don't leave today without responding to him. And prayer is not just talking to the man upstairs and giving him the list of all of your demands. God desires that our prayer would change us. It would realign us. It would center us back onto his will and his plan for our life. So if you're here, I can tell you that God desires to have a relationship with you. He would have that none would perish. None would live outside of a relationship with him through his son. So you can respond to that today. If you need to be saved, we've got counselors who would love to talk to you and meet with you about any decision you need to make. Maybe you need to join what God's doing here at North. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. Whatever it is. Listen, I can think of no better thing, no better response for a message on prayer than to finding a place here at this altar and just laying down things in your life that you have allowed to take first place or have allowed you to pray in selfishness to pray outside of God's will maybe you just need to respond in obedience today maybe you need to lay some of this down at the altar whatever decision you need to make this is your time to respond pray that you just be obedient be obedient to what God is leading you to do Father we love you and we thank you for your word bind it to our hearts may we never be the same we live in light of these truths and God we understand what an incredible privilege it is to pray to you to have an audience with our Father in heaven God we love you and in that love may we be obedient to you in these next few moments in your name we pray you stand to your feet as we sing. If you need to respond, I'm here to receive anyone that needs to respond. Would love to talk to you. We got counselors as well. Please come. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in. Spade it all and all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain.
so much for your word God we thank you for the opportunity that we have the access the power that we have through you in prayer so God may we live in light of this may we work may we be willing to exert some spiritual sweat God to grow in these areas of our life that we desperately desperately need growth in God may you receive glory Everything that's done and said in our lives here gathered and as we leave scattered in a moment. Father, we thank you. It's in your name. Amen. Y'all check out these announcements. Good morning, North family. It's Joseph. Now I've got a few things for you before we leave today. First, our church fellowship is tonight, but it's been moved to the Rural Village Pavilion down by the stables. We'll be down there from 4 to 7 p.m. And it's a potluck event, so please plan to bring a dish. A potluck sign-up form is available today in the foyer. Let us know what you'll be bringing, and we'll see you tonight. And next, our annual missions offering, Give to Go, will be on October 3rd. This is your opportunity to give specifically to our missions budget here at Lindsay Lane North, which supports our mission partners, Neighborhood Bridges, Church at the Oaks, and Favor City Church. We challenge you to pray about how you can partner with us in giving this year. That's where we start. Big corn right there. We have our annual Lindsay Lane Together event at Lion Farms on October 17th from 6 to 9 p.m. Ticket sales will begin next Sunday, September 26th. The tickets are $7 and kids aged 2 and under are free. That's what we've got for today and we hope to see you tonight. And if you're not plugged into a group, you can stop by the next steps and sign up today. And here's a preview of what we'll be talking about this week.
well, these go these go against our grain. We, we do what we want to do when we want to do it. So fasting and solitude, as you mentioned too, I'm, I, while I know I need to get away, I like being around people. Uh, I, I like going to eat and eat with people. So so it's those go totally against what we want to do. But that's the point. We, we are so self-indulgent that, that God would have put us in these situations that stretch us or shake us so that we recognize our need for God, which, which we need Him again desperately. And uh, I think the Lord knows that. And so He gives us these disciplines to practice to heighten our sense to that uh, so that we can share that with others. All right. Thank you so much for joining us at our 1030 service. Man, uh, I'm looking forward to another great week in our groups. If you're not in one, stop by Next Steps. We'll get you plugged into one. I uh, want to make a, a light of, of a little bit. I've uh, said before, you know, you, you plan on the announcements that you write on Thursday still being true on Sunday. Uh, I just want to bring it, uh, reiterate that our uh, fellowship today will not happen. It'll happen in two weeks. Um, you know, it's, uh, that's because of the rain. Um, get, get a couple weeks, get a sunny day, let the kids run around and play while we eat. Uh, this is the time in our service where we do take our tithes and offerings. Uh, if This is a way for us to be faithful to what God has called us to do. If you're a guest with us, you should know we don't ask any of our guests to give financially. Uh, we just ask that you take your Connect card and put that in the bucket. So we'll have a way to text or email you this week. Uh, but if you are a regular member or a regular attender, uh, you can use the envelopes and the chair backs in front of you. There's a couple other ways you can give. You can always text LLBC North to 73256, and that'll take you to a link to our online giving, or you can go online directly to lindsaylanenorth.org. And for those of you watching online, if you prefer cash or check, you can send that to the address at the bottom of the screen. All right, that is it for today. Go ahead and stop by Next Steps if you want to find out any more information about how you can get plugged in with us. Y'all are dismissed to be in the community for the community. Have a great week.